Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is brought to you by Atlas Benefits. Atlas Benefits has solutions for your insurance needs. Atlas Benefits can help you obtain Medicare, health, or life insurance, and employee benefits. You can find them on the web at www.atlasbenefits.com. Or you can contact Rob Ducey or Roy Smith at 727-600-2892 and mention Legacy Battle Podcast. Atlas Benefits has all the solutions for your insurance needs. Enjoy the show. is legacy battle make sure you hit subscribe whatever you're listening on youtube iheart apple spotify pod nods you name it we're on it i'm mike wives creator of legacy battle my panelists tonight from the gridiron battle zone brian king penn state collegiate all-star kevin adams ball state athlete paul Havocott. and we're joined by a former ncaa and professional coach coaching the usfl and the nfl uh he spent time with colleges such as marshall ucla ohio state Pitt. oh yeah <laughs> and uh, in the NFL, he's coached for the, the Jets, Colts, Broncos, our hometown Buccaneers here. Uh, his defenses have helped lead their teams to the playoffs in seven of his 13 season coaching. And in 2009, he was a conference champion with the Colts. So we got defensive specialist, defensive coordinator, Larry Coyer here. Larry, thank you for joining us. Well, I appreciate you asking me to be here, and it's, uh, it's been an honor. Well, we'll have a few questions for him after our debate tonight. Tonight's debate is going to be the NFL coaching Mount Rushmore, and we're going to we're going to start this out with Bill Belichick. Okay, William William Stephen Belichick. I was looking Bill up here, and at 23 years old, he started with the Baltimore Court Colts as a special assistant, making 25 bucks a week. So then he goes on from there and has some stops with the Lions, Broncos, Giants. And he gets his basically first premier head coaching job at 39 with the Cleveland Browns. And then from there on, it was like watching a rocket go off into orbit, a gray hooded sweatshirt rocket. So as a head coach, he's got great stats, 30 and 13 in the postseason. This is at the time of my research. So it was, I think it's pretty up to date, 705%. Uh, 290 and 143 in the regular season for a 673 win percentage. Career overall would be 321 and 156, 673 win percentage. He's a six-time Super Bowl champion, three-time NFL coach of the year in 03, 07, and 2010. NFL 2000's all-decade team, 2010's all-decade team, 100th anniversary all-time team, He's got the most Super Bowl wins as a coach, most Super Bowl appearances at nine, most playoff wins at 31. And he actually had some pretty decent uh, defensive coordinator stats as he won two Super Bowls with the Giants. Um, I'm going to stop there kind of for the, you know, in the spirit of letting my other uh, counterparts here tout their coaches. I I'm already thinking uh, Bill's one of the best as it is. 
So, Larry, he has Tom Brady for most of his run in New England. He loses Tom Brady, and it only takes him one season to get back to the playoffs. Is, is Belichick the greatest of all time? Uh, he will be one, one uh, highly thought of gentleman for that honor. Yes, I think he would be. Uh, uh, his record speaks for itself. Uh, the greatest of all time, it, it's speculative uh, through the years, you know, who is the greatest of all time. Uh, uh, he, he certainly stats speak that way. Everything speaks that way. Uh, different eras. Uh, well, and he's a defensive specialist like you. He, he came from the Giants. So anything special yeah. you see about his defenses? You know, he was a very simplistic defensive coach. He just changed. Uh, he just changed his uh, philosophy from week to week. You know, he'd be a four down one week, three down next week, depending on what the uh, uh, offense presented him. You know, he'd, he'd be all pass rush one week, all run next week. You know, depending on how the game was supposed to be played that week. But as far as complexity, he was not complex. He was simple. And he taught basics. Uh, that's, I think with all these coaches you're going to talk about tonight all have one thing in common. They were fundamentally, uh, they, they just worked and worked and worked fundamentally uh, day after day, year after year, until their teams were superior, tackling, hitting and shedding, you know, gap control, all the stuff that you need to do to win. They were better than everybody else. And I think that's where Belichick is better than everybody else. Let's move on to John Madden. Well, John Madden just passed away uh, about a month ago. May he rest in peace. Um, served as the head coach for the Raiders from 69 to 78. Uh, when he became a coach, he was the youngest coach at the time in the AFL. Um, they went to eight playoff appearances, seven division titles, seven AFL-AFC championship game appearances, uh, he got the franchise's first Super Bowl title in Super Bowl XI. Uh, he never had a losing season, which we all know the head coach of the Steelers right now also has never had a losing season. Uh, so Mike Tomlin's got that going for him too. But uh, Madden holds the highest winning percentage among NFL head coaches who have coached at least 100 games. Uh, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2006. Um, he won Coach of the Year in 69. He finished his career with 103 uh, regular season wins, 32 losses, and seven ties. That's almost a 76% win percentage, which is the highest. Um, and overall, his his uh, records 112, 39, and seven, if you include playoffs, um, which is about 73% uh, win percentage. His first season as a head coach, they went 12-1 and one, uh, and they lost to the Chiefs, unfortunately, in AF AFL's last championship game that season. But six of his 10 seasons that he coached. Uh, he finished with double-digit wins, and they only played 14 games that season. So, I mean, he was winning <laughs> almost every single game, every season. Uh, five years in a row made it to the AFC Championship game. I think he would have had more Super Bowl victories if he hadn't ran into the Steelers uh, in two AFC Championship games in a row. We all know they lost against the Steelers in the, uh, the Immaculate Reception the one year. Uh, but there was the All-Madden team from 84 to 2002 where he picked players that he felt you know, deserved to be on the All-Madden team. Uh, he's done so much for football. His legacy lives on. It's bigger than any other coach, I feel. 
the impact he had on football through coaching and what he did after makes him deserve a spot on this Mount Rushmore. He did the broadcasting after as well. We all know and love his video games. His video game has been out since 1988. I actually just bought 22 the other day. <laughs> uh, but he, he became the best-selling football game out there um, of all time. And he's won Emmy Awards for his broadcasting and his football knowledge. Um, he definitely deserves to be on this Mount Rushmore tonight. He's more popular because of the video game? Uh I think he's more popular because of the TV broadcasting and the video game. Uh, but he was a tremendous coach, too. You know, just not, not as many people know him as a coach as they know him as a, a Monday night football, you know, the and the, and the game, you know. But he, he was a tremendous coach. He, uh, he just had a different way of going about it. Uh, he, uh, I got to know him. Uh, I coached at UCLA, and they used to train out there at Oxnard. You know, the the uh, Raiders would train out there. Uh, and I got a chance to watch them a little bit. They were very secretive. and uh, But uh, he was constant energy. I don't know if that makes any sense to him or not, but as a co he was constant energy, constant positive, constant, you know, it was, it was, it was no... Uh, demeaning players he was constantly positive and uh he was he was always talking about the Raider way you know and uh he, he was uh as a coach I think that was his strength he, he sold the Raider way and I think that's still there I think and uh, all they needed somebody to re-read re, re you know bring it back the Raider way. So Brian tell us about Tom Landry all right, Tom Landry. All right, so he was the first ever Dallas Cowboys head coach in the franchise history in 1960. He coached the team until 1988. So from 1966 to 1985, talk about a 20-year span here, he made the playoffs 18 times. He took the Cowboys to the Super Bowl five times and won twice. Uh, he is ranked fourth all-time in career wins with 250. Only Don Shula made the playoffs more times than him, and only Bill Belichick has more playoff wins than him. Uh, he also had a streak of 21 consecutive non-losing seasons. Um, his persona was very stoic. Um, he was sort of difficult to read his emotions because he kind of kept the same expression throughout the game. Um, and then he always had his trademark uh, fedora on, which you can see behind me here. Um, so his contributions to the game had a major, major impact. He was the first NFL coach to utilize computers to help evaluate player talent, which was something revolutionary for, you know, for that time period when he coached. Um, he also created the 4-3 flex defense, which allowed legendary defensive tackle Bob Lilly and then later Randy White to utilize their quickness, get penetration behind the line of scrimmage. Um, and this also effectively spawned the middle linebacker position that really didn't exist before that. Uh, but not only that, he created an offense to counter the 4-3 flex that he created uh, once its popularity spread throughout the league. So, you know, he had the pressure of being, you know, of his team being dubbed America's team, lots of success, innovations, uh, the whole nine yards. So I believe that Tom Landry belongs on this list. I don't think there's any question that he belongs on it. He, uh, he, uh, 
I got to know him when he was coach. They'd go to Cal Lutheran for their camp back when he was a coach. And uh, I was I was coaching at UCLA there for a while and got to go over and watch him practice and got to know him a little bit. And uh, we had two kids he drafted. Kenny Norton was one that he drafted. And Ben you know, is one of his linebackers. And uh, he was in uh, James Washington was the other who became one of his safeties. And uh, he... Uh, he was very quiet, but very pleasant. And uh, he spoke, uh, when he when he walked around the field, he spoke to everybody, you know. He had coaching points for everybody, but they weren't loud. You know what I'm talking about? They were quiet and, and uh, he always coached. Uh, I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but he coached. He didn't yell, he didn't holler. He, he coached players. And uh, he, he made points, you know, of, of things he, that he did wrong or things he needed to correct. And he was constantly coaching. That's what I'm trying to say. He was always coaching. Uh, he had a staff that was together for a long time. Uh, his coaching staff, they stayed together forever. And I could see why, because of the way they were treated and the way he operated his, his deals. I mean, he treated them with great respect and they worked, they knew what they were doing. And uh, it, it was, uh, it, there was never an argument or anything like that. They knew what they were going to do. They had covered their bases, and they knew how they were going to proceed that practice. He was a master coach. Well, I'm going to talk Vince Lombardi here for a minute. So, obviously most known for the Green Bay Packers, 59 to 67. Coach of the year is rookie season in 59, won again in 61. He's never ranked lower than seventh in a season, um, which is Pretty impressive. He's third all-time in win percentage um, and an incredible 900 win percentage in the playoffs. That's a 9-1 and one record. And then he's got those five championships, two of which were Super Bowls. Three of them came prior to when there was Super Bowls. Um, you know, he's coaching some other places, Fordham College, Army. Um, you know, he was known for one play, and that was the Green Bay sweep. Um you know, and everybody in the league started using that play where they'd run the, the, the running back out wide and, and the linemen would follow for the blocking. Um, he did end up coaching the Redskins for one year uh, at the end. He was also their GM that year. Um, he's on that NFL 100th anniversary team. Now, sadly, he died very young uh, at 57 years old in 1970. And it was in 1971 that they renamed the Super Bowl trophy, the Lombardi Trophy. So he does have that named after him. So, Larry, what are your thoughts on Lombardi? Well, <clears throat> and my thoughts on him were uh, he he came along at a time when uh, he he did he was an innovator. That's my opinion, and he's one of the greatest coaches that ever lived because of the time he coached and the things he did. Uh, I coached with a guy named George Dickerson. Who was his running back coach in the USFL, the Michigan Panthers, and uh, he uh, he was a piece of work himself, George. Because uh, back then, you know, we didn't have any rules on smoking on the plane and all that stuff. And so when uh, George got on the plane, he'd give all the running backs a cigar. And the next thing you know, you couldn't see in the plane, you know. The, uh, but that that was a different time. But George Dickerson was a a coach of of uh, humor, 
but a great coach, if you could understand what I'm talking about, he would use humor to get his point across, you know. Instead of cussing hard, he would use humor, and uh, he'd keep laughing, but he'd get his point across. And Lombardi, as George told me, was the opposite. He was not going to use humor. <laughs> he was going to get his point across in a hard-ass way, you know. He, that's the way they were going to do things at the, at the Green Bay Packers. They were going to play hard-ass, tough-ass football. And at times, George told me they would run the Green Bay Sweep 40, 50 times. They, they would run it until it was perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, you'd run it again. And uh, he, he said he wasn't kidding me. He said that play had to be perfect. And uh, they only had two or three other plays. They had a little trap off of it. But they had those backs that could run that ball. They had those guards that could pull. And they had tight ends that could block, and the receivers could crack back, and they were going to run that play, and uh, it make any difference what you did, you know. And uh, their their football philosophy was toughness. And I so Chuck uh, ended up being the head coach of the Steelers from '69 to '91, all one team. So I should be seeing a, a potential vote for Michael on that one, but uh, he did come up through the Shula. Uh, program, the great Don Shula. He was an assistant with the Baltimore Colts uh, from 65 to 68. And then, like I, the aforementioned, uh, coaching with the Steelers. At the age of 37, he was named the 14th head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1969. Uh, interesting fact, Penn State's coach, Joe Paterno, actually turned down the position. So at the time of the hiring, that made Chuck Knoll the youngest coach in the NFL. He was a fundamentals coach, did a lot of focus on the three-point stance, a little more lax on his players when it came to things like curfew, general rules. Uh, he was kind of known as one of the original players' coaches. Uh, over 500 win percentage, uh, 193, 148, and 1, 16-8 in the postseason. Overall, 209, 156, and 1. He had four Super Bowl wins, 9, 10, 13, and 14. Um AFL champion, 1963, Pittsburgh Pro Football Hall of Fame, Steelers Hall of Fame, NFL 70s, 80s, all-decade team, 100th anniversary all-time team, and he's a 1993 Hall of Fame inductee. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, I got to know him. Uh, he's a guy that every camp, every camp, the first thing they did when they came into camp, offense, defense, special teams, they got in a three-point stance. And they worked on the three-point stance. And they worked on takeoff of the three-point stance. And that was that was his, his fundamentals. They were going to be a sound three-point stance, everybody. And then they would go to what, what we called it, two-point tackle, you know, where you get your shoulder across and everybody wraps their arms and your leg drive and don't do that. And what I'm pointing, the point is he was a fundamentalist of fundamentalists. I mean, he was going to start and he was going to do it until he was satisfied that they were fundamentally sound. And uh, he, he was, and to me, that's what made him different than everybody else. I mean, he was fundamentally sound. His teams were fundamentally sound. And he was a little lax, but that's what made him special as a coach, I think. I think his players trusted him. And uh, 
he, uh, he, he would only tell them one thing. There's nothing good happens after midnight. Every day he would make that little statement, nothing good happens after midnight, see you boys. And uh, that, that was something that, that he would tell them. And that's still true today. Uh, Let's uh, move on to Don Shola. Kevin, uh, tell us about Shola, and then we'll have some shout outs. Yeah, Shola okay. did uh, 26 seasons with the Dolphins, seven with Baltimore Colts. He only had two losing seasons in 33 years that he coached. That's pretty impressive. Led the Dolphins to two consecutive Super Bowl titles. His first Super Bowl title was in 72, which was the only perfect season in NFL history. He's won 15 division titles, six conference titles, two NFL championships. His teams are always consistently among the least penalized in the NFL. Uh, he's first coach to bring two different franchises to uh, a Super Bowl and appear in three consecutive Super Bowls. He's the only head coach to lead two franchises to the first Super Bowl. I think I just said that. I apologize. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 97. Uh, he finished his career with 347 wins, 173 losses, six ties for over 600 uh, percent uh, win percentage. He holds the record for most career wins at 347, most regular season wins at 328, has most games coached at 526, most consecutive seasons coached. He was a four-time NFL Coach of the Year, Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year. He was on the 70s All-Decade Team, the NFL 100th Anniversary All-Time Team, and ESPN and CBS Sports list him in the top three coaches of all time. He's He deserves to be on this Mount Rushmore. I agree with you. He's a, he, he was an innovative guy. He kept changing offenses, kept changing defenses. And he won with different kinds of guys. You know that through the years. He, he uh, Whether it be kicking those guys that he won with or the three little quick guys he had outside he won with, you know, that he threw so many passes. But he was a, he could adjust to his personnel and he could, uh, he was brilliant, let's put it that way. He was a brilliant coach. He could change up, he could change things. And he coached so long, uh, as I was told, that he, he had to adjust. He was a little bit like Coach Bryant. He had to change, he coached so long, he had to change as he went, you know, to, to keep up with things. And uh, Coach Bryant had to go from Joe Namath to the wishbone, you know, to keep up with things. And this, he did this, He's got these great coaches, Shula. They kept changing, you know, from pounding me with kicking those guys to throwing the ball around to three amigos, you know, to having a great quarterback, you know, to, from some university I know of. I see guys wearing pit jerseys. I, wear, I have a pit jersey. Marino, uh, uh, pretty good player. Uh, uh, those guys adjusted, always adjusted, you know, their, their ability to adjust their offense, defense, to win games. And they knew personnel so they could adjust it out and win games. That's his strength. He could, he could adjust his personnel. He could adjust his offense and defense around his personnel. And I'll tell you what he was. He, he was a gentleman of gentlemen. He was, a, he was good to everybody. Uh, he was good to his players, but he demanded they play their best. He would not tolerate anything but their best effort. And I think if you talk to any of those guys in that era, that's the first thing that they'll tell you about. You, you, everything was good as long as you played your best, you know. You, you didn't play your best, then he was going to be on your ass or cut you or whatever, you know, because he expected you to be your best, you know. And uh, 
I think of all these guys that you guys are talking about, that's one thing they all had in common. They expected your best, you know. And uh, but Coach Hill, man, what a, what a coach he was. But he's an innovator too. If you look at the offensive changes he went through through his time, the defensive changes he did, he's he's a brilliant man. And he just kept winning. It, it makes a difference uh, what kind of personnel he had or what happened. Or, so, Larry, I'm going to have you pick your top four here in a minute. But before we do that, I just want to throw some some shout outs to uh, Bill Walsh, Joe Gibbs. You can see him down in Brian's picture there. George Hollis, Paul Brown, uh, Bill Parcells, just some great coaches that, you know, they deserve their name mentioned in the all time greats there. So, um, Larry, of the, the guys that we talked about tonight, Belichick, Madden, Landry, Chuck Knoll, Don Shola. Who would be your top four? Uh, I would go with uh, pop top four guys. He's that hard. <laughs> I would go with uh, Lombardi. I would go with Shula. I would go with No. And I would go with uh, Landry. So our Mount Rushmore tonight picked by Coach Coyer, Tom Landry, Vince Lombardi, Don Shola, Chuck Knoll. Let's move into our Q&A. Brian, go ahead and ask Coach Coyer a question. All right, Coach. My question for you is, while you were the defensive coordinator in Denver from 2003 to 2006, you had your defenses ranked in the top 10 in each of those seasons. So how were you able to have so much success over that span? Coach Shanahan is a great guy to work for. He provided me with the personnel that uh, I, I wanted and needed to have good defense. And uh, we were very fast and very athletic. And uh, that's we wanted to move around on defense so that have movement guys. And that was the opposite of what they had, they had before. And he went out about getting those kind of players for us. And so we could we could stunt and move, and we had fast little linebackers and fast secondary guys, and uh, it, it was him, Coach Shanahan, that gave me the talent that we could play. You know, do what we wanted to do, play with speed, and uh, my whole thing about football period: speed. You have speed, and uh, speed kills. And uh, so he got that done for me, and we were able to play pretty good. Paul. Coach, you played for Marshall from 1961 to 1964, correct? Yes, sir. So when I see that and I think about 1970 when that plane crash happens, it's an obvious tragedy, but would you be willing to share how that made you feel? Did you did you know anybody personally that still was there at the program that was affected by that? How'd that make you feel? It was awful. Uh, I had uh, coached there also three years, so I had just uh, left and went to Massillon High School, uh, left Marshall, and so I knew everybody, and uh, it was crushing. My brother was also a fireman, and he answered the call, and uh, I don't know if he ever got over it, but uh, I don't know if you can imagine this. But there was a funeral every hour on the hour for a week. 
and it was it was crushing. Uh, you you didn't have time to be sad because you were on your way to the next funeral. You know you didn't have time to mourn, and uh, it was a tragic event. And uh, I'll never forget it. I'm a Marshall guy the whole way, and uh, I was just blessed by God that I wasn't on that plane. That's all I can say. You know. And, uh, it was an awful thing. Kevin. <clears throat> so you were um, uh, defense coordinator for Pitt from 97 to 99. I'm a Penn State alumni. So I just oh, got to yeah. know, what was that rivalry like uh, when you guys played Penn State those three years um, and coaching against uh, Joe Paterno and his, his squad? I tell you, the first year, they damn near killed us. Uh, it wasn't competitive. Uh, you know, they, they, but I'll tell you what it taught us. It taught us that we could play with them. We played them up there. Uh, shit, I mean, it could have been 200 or nothing. I mean, you know, it was, they just beat the shit out of us. But, uh, it was, it was a learning experience. Let's put it that way. Okay. Educational experience. And the next year we played them down in Pitt. And they barely got out of there. Uh, the big old linebacker, Navarre Arrington, blocked the field goal. Uh, and, and they ended up winning, uh, I think it was 17-14. They, they won. The field goals were a tie. And, uh, but I've never heard a crowd like that. You know, you know how the Pitt Stadium was and how loud it could get. It, it, it was up for grabs, you know. But that game also taught me that you could have great rivalries without hating each other. Because after that game, those two teams hugged each other. You know what I'm talking about? They hugged each other, pat each other on the back, you know, and walked off the field. It was a positive experience for both schools. And that sold it forever. I mean, those were class kids on both teams. You know, they they were going to knock your teeth out. But, boy, they were class teams. And uh, they, they walked off that field. And, and the crowd actually recognized that and, and uh, and stood and cheered for both those teams. You know, it didn't make a difference who they were cheering for. It's just the way they behaved, you know. And uh, I've never been prouder in my life of the way two teams competed. And uh, I wish that game was still played. Because, number one, you don't have to be good to play them. You know, Pitt's going to have to be good to play Penn State. And Penn State's going to have to be good to play Pitt. And the people love it. It's, it they love the freaking game. I mean, it's a great game. And uh, they, they can watch those two teams play and listen to Notre Dame on the radio. What else can you do that? I mean, that's, that's what they do. And uh, it's a hell of a game. And uh, uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. And uh, I'm so sorry. That game was Virginia game uh, on Pitt's behalf, uh, not Penn State. But if I had to choose, it would be Pitt, Penn State. That'd be the game. That'd be the one game I would want to see played. Well, it is a, it is a knockdown, drag out, high class affair. And uh, we should play it again. Brian, go ahead. Um, okay, well, um, Coach, during your career, you worked for several uh, quality head coaches. So who was the one that you feel like you worked with the best? I got so many blessings that I could say I worked with Mike Shanahan uh, 
uh, I think I pet him the best. Uh, I also think Jim Caldwell oh, yeah. is the guy that I pet good with. Uh, strange thing about that, I recruited him to Iowa, and uh, he played for me at Iowa, and uh, got his first job out of Iowa with Ray Dempsey at uh, Southern Illinois, and then went home from there. And uh, he's a hell of a coach. Jim Carr was a hell of a coach. And so was Coach Shanahan. And uh, and they're both the same kind of guys, hands-on guys and uh, good coaches, and they treat you with respect. And uh, I don't know what more a guy could ask for, you know, than to be treated with respect in this business, you know, coaching. And uh, those would be the top two guys as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, well, I want to remind everybody, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Coach Larry Coyer, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate that. Well, I'm honored to be here, fellas. Thanks a lot. You behave yourself. <laughs> no you way. Remember, hit, hit <laughs> no that subscribe way. button. Everybody, you have a great night. We'll see you next time.